We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Curry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. talking about Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl LA will play for the Lombardi welcome to Rams Talk Radio this is Derek C. Paul with my co-host tonight Tommy Avant and we are here to take a look at the wide receiver position for the Los Angeles Rams entering training camp. And, of course, later on we have another tour visit with Jags wire managing editor James Johnson, who will fill us in on everything Jaguars for 2018 2019. Oh, and a certain backup quarterback, Blake Wolves. Before we get there, though, Tommy, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you today, my friend? 
I'm doing all right. I'm a little flustered the way the do is today. By the way, um, the reason why I'm saying that, folks, is that this is take two because I completely botched it. I'm not afraid to say that. I botched last night's recording, and I got to drag Tommy back on here again and listen to my horrible voice just to talk a little Rams football. Hey, buddy. <laughs> the Derek voice returns. <laughs> How many times does the Derek voice appear on Rams Uncensored? You, let's just let's take it away from Rams Uncensored for a second because it appears frequently, but it also appears when any of us on the show call each other on a personal level to our cell phones just to chat about something. The first thing one of us will say, whether it's Brian, Matt, Mark, or myself, is, hey, buddy. I'm not kidding, dude. It's that bad. <laughs> So basically what you're saying is anytime you guys have an interaction that you're making fun of me. <laughs> Pretty much. My Lord. You've just made me a sad panda. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I don't say that. I run this outfit over here and you guys are always cracking on me. Unfreaking believable. Unbelievable. It's the, it's what everyone wants to do in their lives every day when they wake up and go to work, give their boss a hard time. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Well, folks, <laughs> I guess if you want to hear more of that banter, check out Rams Uncensored. By the way, this episode of Rams Talk Radio is sponsored by Jim Hawk and his book, Hollywood's Team. We also remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker. Also, most importantly, really, it's Apple iTunes. They are basically getting most of our listens out there, so go check them out. We have a contest going on right now for a five-star review. We're hit, where our goal is to hit 200. One lucky winner will get a $75 gift kit to NFLshot.com or you can buy whatever you want for that 75 bucks. This is how it works. Just head over to Apple iTunes, leave a five-star review, send us an email to ramstop 1945 with a copy of your review so we know how, who to match it up with, basically. And we'll also read your feedback on the show. Don't forget, too, we have other shows in our network. Like the aforementioned, Rams Uncensored, who likes to both make fun of me and Matt, because I think it's like a sport over there, and Butting Hands with Steve and Johnny. Oh, and Norm Hightower's show is coming soon. So, you ready, Tommy? You ready? Let's roll. Okay. A couple things to briefly talk about here. The pool party and the t-shirt. Tommy, please explain what's going on with that. Uh, the pool party is going off without a hitch. Saturday, July 27th. I just picked up the Rams Uncensored t-shirts yesterday. Um, small through extra large are $20 plus shipping and handling. Uh, 2X to 5X is $22 plus shipping and handling. So hit us up on Twitter in the DMs if you would like one, and we will get it out to you. Are they um, able contact me as far as payment information too? I'll uh, just send it to me through Venmo, and we'll go from there. Right there. So you just answer my question. Are they so are they, are they able to use credit card or anything? Yeah, you can. I mean, well, as credit card, just do wire transfer like Venmo or PayPal. Okay. I prefer Venmo though. Got it. All right. So the second thing here is our fundraiser for Dom Samara. Just for some feedback for those of you who may be under a rock or haven't been listening much for the summer. A member of our staff, Dom Samara, uh, he was a great guy. He's a really great guy. He came onto our staff last year, immediately stepped in writing articles, and then began doing web development for us. The problem is he can't do much of anything else, and it's getting to the point now, pain-wise, he can't even do the things he dreamed of doing, like writing. He was in a fire in 2004, if I remember correctly, we wrote that down, 
And he ran in back inside his home to save his, his, his dog. In the process, he fell, suffered a major injury to his spine, neck, neck spine area, and he has been sick ever since. And it's really hard for me to even talk about because we see him interact on Twitter from time to time. We see him interact in Slack, but I'm the one who actually has the phone calls with him. And you can just tell by having that conversation how much pain he's in and how much he's really suffering. And we really, we recently realized how bad it was when we had a site issue and I needed him to look at something. And But when I talked to him, I realized he couldn't even stay with it. He's, he's losing his life one day at a time. This isn't like he's going to die of a heart attack tomorrow, but your body will eventually give out. It can only take so much pain. It can only take so much stress. And I'm just seeing my friend slip away. He's a member of our family here at Rams Talk. He's a member of the Ramley. He is a guy who is consistently encouraging others, as Tommy can attest to. And we're just trying to help him get his life back. Downtown Rams, Turf Show Times, jeez. Uh, Slip my mind, Rams Wire, Locked On Rams, all those folks over there have been supporting us and getting the word out. But in the end, it's up to us as the, the fan base, if you wish to, to kind of spearhead this fundraiser and give him his life back. So, I, I mean, you've, you've interacted with him a little bit. Can you, what can you say about him, Tommy? I mean, I've never met him personally, but like you said, I have interacted with him and he's a really great person. And I just think it's the right thing to do. We all, everybody has a little bit of money to spare and we all need to look out for each other. We need to deliver on that term. We use, um, Ramley, right? We gotta, it's just, it's not just a thing we say actions speak louder than words. And so far so good. Um, in a short period of time, I believe I haven't checked it lately, but he's over 50% of the goal, um, in less than a week. Right. It's uh, been seven days. He's at twenty eighty. the The raising has slowed down a little bit, and we're. I'm afraid. I'm concerned that we won't meet the goal. To be honest, we can fix that. We just got to reshare and and get it out there, definitely. But yeah, I, I, we appreciate everything that everyone's doing for him, and uh, keep it up, guys. Yeah, thank you for to those who have donated. Thank you so much for those that are considering. We ask you to to reconsider, and it's. He's a good, good person who his dream really at this point is just to be able to, to walk again without pain. And he'd like to write and he, that's what he's been trying to do. He's, he's, he's lost everything else. So there you go. Okay. Now getting kind of the emotional stuff out of the way. And it is a little emotional for me. Not going to lie. Here's the, the core of our show today. We are in the positional previews for the upcoming season. Last Sunday night, we covered the quarterbacks. This time, we're talking wide receivers. There are 12 receivers currently listed on the Rams page. Now, I Tommy had pointed out to me yesterday, there's a, I think, would you say lineup.com or something like that? Yeah, lineups.com. I think there's 14 on here. Hey, has a 14. The Rams have 12 listed on their page. Here's these are the names. These are Alex Bachman, Brandon Cooks, Jalen Green, Kadaro Hodge, Cooper Cup, Jonathan Lloyd, Jojo Natson, Austin Prohl, Josh Reynolds, Mike Thomas, Nasimba Webster, and Robert Woods. That's the receiving core that is in camp here at the end of July. There are some interesting pieces there. 
a lot of young guys are going to try and make the team. But I think, and you and I have discussed this before, we're thinking six will make the team, one to two will make the training squad. Is that correct? Yeah. So our job here is to kind of look at these receivers, look at their strengths, look at their weaknesses from what we know. And for some of these guys, there isn't a whole lot out there and see how they fit with the Rams. So I guess the first things first here, Alex Bachman came from Wake Forest, undrafted free agent. He's been on our show. We've talked to him. He's a really nice guy. He has really solid speed, ran a 4-4-40, kind of disappeared a bit from much of Wake Forest season last year, did emerge for a huge game, 171 yards receiving. And, you know, he's a guy that we're kind of watching because you already have a Wake Forest quarterback on the roster now. And here he is. Oh, and don't forget the running back, too. Matt Colburn is also on the roster right now trying to make the team. So it's interesting that they have three Wake Forest offensive skill players visiting and trying to make this, make this club. Any thoughts? I mean, like I said yesterday, these guys have an uphill battle. This is probably the deepest position on the team. And there's only going to be two spots available if they carry six on the roster. Um, and then practice squad. What's practice squad overall? How many players can they keep? Five or six? I can't remember. I think it's ten in having the practice squad. Ten? Okay. Well, that's better. So I'm thinking they'll take one or two. I, I, I'm going to say two for, you know, for purposes of this discussion. We'll go with two. But that is going to be something to watch out for as well as who they fill that I'm guessing they're going to have some offensive linemen on there. They're going to probably going to have at least one running back because we're deep at running back too. And defensive linemen for, you know, next Brandon cooks. We've, we've said a lot about him. I know you have specific thoughts about him. We'll, we'll save that for the Josh Reynolds discussion because those two are kind of where you are. You're, you're looking at Jalen green is from Utah state. He originally was at USC. Didn't run the world's best. 4440. He actually, sorry, not 4440. They're 40. He had a 467. Did make some plays for Utah State this year. But again, uphill battle for him. He's 6'2, 205 with a 467 on the 40. That's going to be interesting for, the, for us to watch. Then we have Kaderil Hodge, who I thought came along quite well last year as a member of the active roster. Filled in a couple of nice catches. He's a fit, I, be, I think, for this roster. Would you agree or disagree? I agree. Um, Cooper Cup, coming back from ACL surgery. Your belief on him is what? Best receiver on the team. Best receiver on the team. That's your belief. I'm not sure I believe that, but I think you can make a really good argument for considering where he was, the relationship he had with Jared Goff, the, the clutch catches he makes. And also, I think the biggest point you can make about him and where he stands with the, with the Rams is how the offense changed once he got hurt. just wasn't the same. It wasn't as explosive. Nobody really filled his role. People tried, but nobody was able to fill what he did. So I think that's a, a good argument to make. Jonathan Lloyd, he's another guy who will probably not make the team. DraftScout.com had him as the 100, sorry, my bad, the 206th ranked receiver coming out of the draft. He ran a 4.71, I kid you not, 4.71, 40 time as a 5'10", 185 receiver. That's a huge uphill battle for him to make the roster with his height and his speed. JoJo Natson, I have some questions on him. 5'7", 153 pounds. You saw a little bit of a different measurement yesterday, is that right? 
Yeah. (laughs) Your measurement's definitely better for his ego. Um, (laughs) On lineups.com, they have him 5'6", 149. (laughs) So, that little guy. Wow. I like him a lot. I mean, he is. No, me too. He is fast. I worry that if somebody hits him like a Bobby Wagner, that he'll die. But in the meantime, I really like him. My question is, given the given the changes to kickoff return rules, how valuable is he really not? Because he's primarily a kick and punt returner. That's a, like a question for you. What do you think? Well, other than special teams, in my opinion, he's not valuable. Um, you know. Because he's so small, he becomes one of those quote-unquote gadget players, right? He's one hit away from being on IR. He's tiny, you know? So kick return is where he belongs. And is that – are those positions warranted enough to keep someone on your roster for that in 2019 considering how special teams is played now? I, I say no. But, I mean, I, that is something I'm really concerned with here. But I don't know if you – did you ever – you're, you're my age, so I'm dating us a little bit, but you also, this might make a good point. Do you remember the movie Lucas from the 80s? I do. Refresh my memory a little bit, but I do. Okay. Kind of this high school, a little bit of a nerd, likes this girl, was really small, wanted to play football, got out there and basically got crushed in the field. Yes, I remember. Wasn't there a song okay. about the movie, too, or based around the movie? There was a famous song that came out of this soundtrack. I just don't remember what it was. My name is Lucas. I'm something, something, second floor. I can hear it in my head right now. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, he was by far the smallest dude in the field, and he got just destroyed once he actually got into a game. And, I'm well, that's my fear of JoJo. I know that's weird for me to say. He's he's an NFL player. He's deserving to be an NFL player. but. I can. I'm concerned for him because his his ability, not his ability. Let me rephrase that. His body, his frame, is only conducive to certain plays. And the Rams are very, they're very much a team that wants you to be able to do lots of different things. Does that make sense? No, I agree. And like the great J.J. Watt once said, "I've eaten bigger burritos than him." So. You know, he's and that's you ever hear that clip on Mike Up? That's like the best show ever because you get to hear all the trash talking. Somebody, I think it was Darren Sproles, one of those little guys, got in um, JJ's face and he turns around and looked at him. He's like, Man, get out of my huddle. I've eaten burritos bigger than you, dude. Like, he didn't even get mad. He was just like, Go away, little kid. You know, it was embarrassing. He didn't even, he just shunned him off like a little toddler. <laughs> you know, I mean, Sproles was a heck of an NFL player, too, and he still just swat at him. Yeah, it was somebody small, and he just, like, it made it worse because he just, he kind of, like, brushed him off. Like, go away, little boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the next guy on the list here is Austin Prohl, son of Ricky Prohl, the hero of the NFC Championship game. And, geez, that was 1999, 20 years ago. For Ram, Prohl was a three-star recruit who eventually went to UNC. He has solid numbers, 5'9", 182, in terms of his what he tested for, a 6753 cone drill, a 407 short shuffle. Never did run a 40 dash for his uh, combine. He's a second-year guy. His first year in camp with the Bills. Strengths for him, 
Obviously, his dad's rookie pro, his dad's coach's receivers. You know his catching technique is going to be great, excellent. You know he'll go and get a ball. You know he's going to run routes well. The weaknesses, like we say, he's only 5'9", 182. He did, so he's not going to have a huge catch radius. He doesn't have deep speed on, on large, you know, on goal routes, basically. And then he didn't have the production at UNC that you would want. Actually, he's usually fourth or fifth. And also getting from buffalorumblings.com, who, from their Sky Report when they covered him, uh, Dan Lavoie. So I like the name, though. And you know that it's going to be there, considering who his father is. What are your thoughts? I mean, we'll see. We'll see. We see a lot of these kids come into the NFL and their fathers played in the league. And I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, he's getting everything he needs as far as coaching, and he has the upper hand in that. And he'll use his natural ability to his advantage. And what he lacks in, his father will give him that edge, right? That's what I got to hope for if he's going to be an NFLer. There's, there is a certain advantage to the experience being in the family and that wisdom. But then again, you know, you never know if a player will take that wisdom. I would think, given what we know of Ricky Pearl, his son will, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, like I always say, there, there, people in the world, there's, you know, there's a lot of phrases in the world that drive me nuts. One of them is sometimes you got to learn the hard way. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard a human being say. No. You don't have to learn the hard way. You just choose to. Give me a break. You choose to. It, I mean, for some people, I think what they mean by half to the hard way is they're going to keep making similar dumb mistakes until they see results of their actions full-fledged. I mean, maybe that's what they're trying to say when some people are like that. Like you go and you might dabble in this substance and this substance and this substance and all of a sudden you go out there and you make the big mistake and now you learn. Hopefully you learn without dying. I'm just saying that that would be the only way I could think of when they mean by, well, not only way. I'm rambling. What the crap? What I'm trying to say is that you learn the hard way based off of your decision not to follow. Maybe you need to make those decisions to learn the wisdom you need to carry on. Yeah. I mean, I'm a perfect example of choosing not to learn the hard way. Um, I grew up in a very rough environment. I should probably be in prison right now. Um, but I just watched a lot of my surroundings growing up and I would just observe, right? And I would just point everything out and go, not doing that, not doing that, not doing that, not doing that. It was my choice to not do the things. It was my choice to not go to the places where some of my friends were going because I knew something bad was probably going to happen. And it did. You know, there was a party in high school that was a graduation party and friends, hey, let's go to this party. Nah, that's not our crowd, man. We don't belong there. Trust me, it's not going to go well. And they all went and four of my friends got stabbed and one of them almost died. So you just got to be smart, man. So, yeah, when you say, you you know, sometimes you got to learn the hard way, I, I will never agree with that phrase whatsoever. It depends on the person. But in this case, Awesome Pro, I think he's been around the league enough to know. Listen to Dad. Listen to the wisdom that people present him, and so I think he has a good chance at making this team. Josh Rolls is next to my list, but I want to save him for last, just because I think you have a you're a big fan of his, and you have some thoughts on him concerning Brandon Cooks and his role in the offense. So let's save him for last. Mike Thomas. It seems like he's been around forever. What about Mike? Because he has. He's had enough <laughs> chances when you're a six round pick, and you're you've been suspended. You've you've had all these issues, right? And you're still on the team. One fact leads me to believe 
that he has some naked pictures of somebody somewhere. <laughs> I don't know how he still has a job. Man. <laughs> he's go. He's got something on somebody because he shouldn't be there still. We all know he's a talented guy, but he's a dummy. I think he needs to learn by getting cut and go getting a second chance somewhere else and see if he could straighten himself out. I mean, that might happen this year. This is like you said, this is the deepest position on the team. If he's, if he's not coming to Gamp this year with a whole new attitude and a whole out, outlook on life, learning from his mistakes, then I can't really see him making the team. We're going to make those calls in a minute, but I don't see it. Nassimba Webster, next up on our list, he's another guy that I wonder what the odds are of him. He has a 455, 40 at 5'9, 176. So being 5'9, 176. That speed, while it's a good speed, is not a good speed for his height. He does have one advantage, though. The Rams do love their Eastern Washington people. And, and uh, Nisimba did play with Cooper Cup and Sam Sambacom and, and Cooper's brother as well. So your thoughts on him? I don't know a ton about him, man. I got to get get in there with these younger guys. Like I said, I I was telling the guys the other day, you know, we we're talking about the wide receivers. and they're, you know, I don't think there's a lot of room on this team for that position. So these guys are all going to have an uphill battle and, and through training camp and the preseason games, I'm going to focus on a lot of these kids and see if any of them have the opportunity to make this team. I think he has a chance based on the Rams recent history of Eastern Washington. I think he does. Yeah. They're infatuated with that school. All of a sudden they drafted Cooper cup and Samson Ibukam, And then here we go. Now we got, uh, Coop's <laughs> kid brother on the team, and and just yeah, it's it's odd in my opinion. It's a small school to be digging into, but if they can continue to grab guys who can play, more power to you. Well, Eastern Washington's been pretty successful over the last four or five years, especially, and so I can see them looking up there. They have a large amount of scouts in the, the western area. I, I, it doesn't surprise me too much. What it would tell me, at the very least, is that the Eastern Washington is teaching good fundamentals. They're producing good-headed football players. I just don't know if Nisimba has the ability to play at the NFL level. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Robert Woods, thoughts? Second best receiver on the team. Okay, and that takes us to Josh Reynolds. I, I know you have very specific thoughts on him. What do you see for him coming for this season? What do you want? What do you expect? And and. Well, where, where's where's Brandon Cooks? Did we already talk about him? We did, but I was kind of saving them for this part. Okay, so I'm going to say... I mean, we talked about that since I said we're going to say Brandon Cooks for this part. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to jump in here and real quick and just say I think Brandon Cooks is the third best wide receiver on this team. Okay? Um, when Sammy Watkins left in free agency, I didn't think we needed to grab another receiver to be successful. Um, I thought overall the plan that Sean McVay had in place and then the defense with under Wade Phillips, I thought that we could weather the storm and save our salary cap for more important players that were already on our team in the future. But here we are. We traded for Brandon Cooks, a guy who has been traded multiple times to multiple teams for first-round picks. So there's he obviously has a value, and I think he's a really, really good player. But – I don't think he's worth the money that we gave him because he doesn't deliver um, in the big games. He's done it throughout his career for all three teams. And I just see a consistency of inconsistency when it counts. 
Um, I thought Josh could have came in and did the job for pennies that were paying him being a fourth round pick. So, but I was looking at it as a GM slash coach, right? You got to balance the budget and you got to have decent players. I just don't think Brandon, we're getting what we pay for. Does that make sense? It does. I don't entirely agree. I don't think you're 100% wrong either. I just don't – I wonder if you're being fair to Brandon Cooks, and this is why I'm saying that. Brandon Cooks has been productive every year in the NFL. He's one of the most productive receivers in the league. He does provide the Rams that deep threat that they need I agree. to really do what they want to do. I also look back at you know the Super Bowl with, with the Patriots, not with, not against the Patriots. It's just a different one, but with the Patriots, they okay, yeah, he, he got hit, took a concussion. That can happen to any receiver out there. doesn't matter the size. Anyone can get. One. Yeah, he was in the he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay, and then you go this year, and in two different situations here in our Super Bowl against the Patriots, you can say, well, that throw that went from Goff that was incomplete in the back of the end zone that was on Goff. It wasn't on Cooks. He was where he was supposed to be, and of course, the interference call that was missed by the official, the NFL admitted, was also intended for Cooks. That was there, and either one of those catches changes the entire game. So. I don't really blame him as much. I don't think it's a fair case to make against him, especially when in this last Super Bowl, almost the entire Rams offense was shut down. It wasn't just Brandon Cooks. A lot of that falls back on the offensive line. It falls back on Jared Goff a little bit. It also really falls back on the coaching staff for failing to make the adjustments they needed to make. And that's not mean... A criticism on my part, by the way, a massive one. It is a criticism, but it's not a massive one. I'm not saying, oh my gosh, Sean McVay is horrible. I'm saying Sean McVay is a young coach who, in his first experience on the stage, just got beat. He got he made some big mistakes and got beat. So I don't know if that's a fair assessment to make of him. But when it comes to Josh Reynolds, financially, you're right. You make sense. If you believe, as the GM of a team, that Josh Reynolds can come in there and play the role you need, and the role they needed was deep threat, then, yeah, you, you go ahead and give them a shot instead of going out there and getting cooks. Yeah, that, I mean, every year as a fan, I try to look at the team holistically, not just, you know, as a fan. I try to look at it, well, how do you balance a budget? How do you, you know, it, it's, it makes it more fun for guys like me who have been a fan of the game for 34 years to dive into the financial part and make those tough decisions instead of be just a fanboy all the time, right? Because it's easy to do that. It's hard to make the tough decisions. I was on my radio show a couple years ago, and I was calling for Alec Ogletree to get cut. And I was on Facebook Live as well, and we were broadcasting, and I was getting hammered on there, and I was just I was laughing. I was calling out everyone's comments on the air. They cut him the very next day, okay? And... Everyone came back to me. Oh, my goodness. Did you have any inside information? I'm like, no, man. I was just trying to do what was right for the team. He was overpaid and he underdelivered. I never thought he should have even got an extension in the first place. Just like Table and Austin, the same thing. It was terrible contracts, bad decision making. That part of the uh, industry and of the league is more interesting to me now than just the players. So I try to look at it from a different perspective. Sure. All right, so moving on here, it's about that time for us to make our call. What do we believe? Who's going to make the team? So let's start for the your number one receiver in the depth chart right now is who? Cooper Cup. Ooh, you hear a storm here. Do you hear the storm? What? 
Did you hear that thunder? Yeah, that was thunder. Wow. Yeah, I got some thunder here. So we're storming here where we're recording today. If you hear it, I'm going to leave it in and let you know we're a little real. We're not just in some kind of, you know, la-la land. So your, your guy again was who? Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. All right, so my number one receiver for the team right now is Brandon Cooks based on what they do with him. They both like the team, so that's fine. Your number two receiver? Robert Woods. Robert Woods. Robert Woods is my number two. Number three? Brandon Cooks. My number three is Cooper Cup. Your number four? Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds, I. Now, here we go. I'm getting down to the parts that are really, who's our five and six? Who makes a team? Who's your five? Uh, Kadero Hodge. I will roll with Kadero Hodge as well as my number five. I really like the progress he made, and I think he will be a solid guy to come off the bench when needed. Your number six? This one's tough because I don't know a lot of the guys like we talked about. So I'm just going to go with some nostalgia and say the pro kid makes the team. You say Austin pro makes the team. That's your six. Oh, and it might change after we watch, uh, you know, preseason, who knows, but for now I'll go with that. Wow. I am going to go with Alex Bachman. The surprise. I think he makes a team as a sixth receiver. And Austin Prohl becomes the, you know, I can't do it. No, I can't do it. I'm going to go back to JoJo. Speed kills. He is for a couple plays to get him out there. He's my number six. Yeah, I want to say that. I wanted to say that too, but it would have been, I wanted to change it up a little bit because I think, that the guys we already have on the team are, you know, other than um, I just think that our roster is kind of already full at that position, man. It's going to be, we have, we yeah, didn't really like who's going to beat out Hodge and Nets and like these guys better bring it, dude. Well, you just got to think though, in terms of guys you want to, you might run and end around for have the specialized place for, you don't really want coach running those a whole lot. You don't really want Cooper Cup runs a whole lot. You don't. I mean, they do it. You don't want Robert Woods runs a whole lot. So those specialized plays are the, are the plays that Natson will excel in, and then you have your kick returner. So that's why I'm going that route. I worry about his size. I worry about, but he, he won't be a full time player. So I'm going to stick with JoJo. I also think if you look at the actual speed, Brandon Cooks is probably is probably our fastest receiver. And you look at Robert Woods, he's got solid speed, but not great speed. You have Cooper Cup, solid speed, not great speed. There isn't a whole lot of blazing speed on this roster. There's not. Josh Reynolds is a guy we think is pretty fast, but we don't see him use a whole lot in that role. So I, th- I think you're adding speed by keeping Natson on the roster. Yeah, Josh is a strider, man. You get him on a nine route, and he's going to blow by you. Yeah. They're not doing that enough, man. That's if I had any. It's not his fault. If I had any complaint, and we 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 just debated this last night. I wish we had that audio f- that was good for it. But if I have one complaint in how he's been used, they, they put him in there to try and work the middle in Cooper Cup's role, and he did okay. He did okay, but that's not what he really was drafted for. And that's not what the film shows on him going back into college. The film shows a guy who will run a nine. And he'll beat you on nine. And they haven't really used him much in that role. Yeah, they what they actually did last year is when Coop got hurt, they put Robert Woods 
in Coop's position and they moved Josh into Robert's position. I think they should have just let Robert do what he does and Brandon do what he does and see if Josh could handle Cooper's role. And if not, then switch him. But I think switching both of them created an issue. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, well, I, I think a lot of it depends on Josh. Now, how does Josh come into camp this year? Has he been working with Jared Goff in the offseason? I hope he has. We don't know. I hope he has. I hope those those two got together and threw thousands of passes together this year. I hope that he's gone out there and he's learned every corner of that playbook and learned every route. And I I am a big believer in Josh Reynolds' talent. I don't necessarily believe that his lack of of, um, targets over the last year are on Jared Goff, but I think if he is taking that step to that next level guy that you think he can be, then – He's coming to camp completely ready this year. And if he is, if he is, man, oh boy, this offense is going to be on fire. Yeah, I mean, he had he was targeted 53 times last year and only caught 29 balls. But I'm telling you, I watched all those snaps. A lot of those targets were off. You know, it just – and Jared is such an accurate passer. But when he's off, he's off. You know, there was what – two or three of them in a row, and I was at the game last year against the Eagles at the end to try to win it when we fell apart and got down by so many touchdowns. Man, I went to the restroom, and it was a close game. I went to the restroom and came back. We were down by two touchdowns like that, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. So they they did come back, but those that last drive, he just kept throwing it to Josh every play in a row completely – out of his catch radius, not even close. So that was at least three on one drive alone, and I could go back and pick them all apart. But he did struggle to get, you know, the ball where Josh could catch it. So he kind of just has to get the ball there and give him the opportunity to make the catch because everything that was thrown to him that I saw that was catchable, he caught. Yeah, I think there are a lot of complaints out there about Jared Goff. And I think most of them are invalid. But if you have one complaint about him, is that when he's off, like you said, he's off. Like he, he'll have the occasional streak where his accuracy is pinpoint, second to none. I mean, he, I mean, there are times we saw him last year with the kind of accuracy that very few quarterbacks, not just have it in the league now, but have had it in history. It's that good. But when he's off. Yeah, I agree. I've seen I mean he's dropping dimes. He's dropping dimes over two defenders right in mm-hmm. the bucket. Go yeah, go back to the Kansas City game, go back to the Minnesota game from last year. When when he's on, I, he's elite. When he's not on, it's it's ugly. It's ugly. You some of the throws you look at and and he didn't even get hit too. You go back and you're like, "Well, maybe maybe he got his arm hit." So you you know, rewind it, take a good look, look at the replay. And you're like, "No." He just threw a really bad ball. I mean, really bad. I mean, and it's, I think it's common, especially younger quarterbacks, or try, in, in games where you're trying to do too much, where you're feeling some pressure, things aren't going your way. You go back to the Bears game, go back to the Eagles game, and even the games afterwards where you've been taking some pressure and you're starting to feel things kind of slip a little bit from you. That's mm-hmm. where you see those things happen. Now you can go down to the Super Bowl and think when things didn't go well, you saw a little more of that. That's to me. That's the fact that he's still a young dude learning the game, and you're not really 100 percent into that mode. He has a quarterback. You're still growing. But 
if he wants to be that guy down the line, if he wants to be the best, that has to develop. And it can't, it, you only got, if you, this way, you're not seeing quarterbacks that are superstars developing when he's 30. You're developing now. Yeah. I mean, the, what's going to have to happen is, in my opinion, Sean McVay going into his third year now has learned the hard way that someone will eventually figure out your playbook and shut you down. We've seen it over the history of the NFL time and time again. Remember when Miami came out with, uh, what was it, the option, the read option? Yeah, the wildcat. the wildcat, exactly. It was the high school offense we ran. I mean, it's a running offense, misdirection, put a bunch of guys in the backfield and, and try to figure out which one they're going to hand it off to or are they just going to do a direct snap. It worked for about half a season, and then they caught up to it, right? They just load the box and just hammer everybody. Who cares who gets the ball? Just knock them all out, and, and you'll eventually hit the one with the ball. You know, it's not rocket science. It's football, dude. You know? At the root of it, football's a chess game. And and if you have good chess players, the game goes back and forth. And that's what happened with the Rams last year. You saw the NFL learning Sean McVay's game, and eventually – he got himself in trouble. Now, the question will be, can he strategically move his pieces around to get the edge again? And I think he will. He's a very intelligent dude. He's had a whole offseason to look at film and to look at the holes that the Lincoln left there for him and to adjust. The game is a constant chess game. And the coaches who can't play chess are stuck playing checkers. They never last. Yeah, exactly. And he'll he'll play chess. Trust me, he's he's one of those people that refuses to fail like Bill Belichick. So, I mean, I used to hate Bill Belichick. And then I watched that um, special on NFL Network about him. And throughout his whole career, again, they went from start to finish. And I had a lot more respect for him after that as far as the way he prepares. Now, you know, if he's doing some shady stuff behind the scenes, that's neither here nor there. I don't want to get into that. But as far as his overall ability to look at the opponent, and that's how he does it in his press comments. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to this one. We're on to that one. Because he's looking at one opponent at a time, and what are they going to do to try to stop us and vice versa? He literally just focuses on that week and that game and those players on those teams. You know, look go back and look at the Thursday night football game when the Rams played the Vikings. What did the Rams do in that game? They picked on Anthony Barr, right? They knew they noticed that Anthony Barr was getting dropped into coverage, and so they just mismatched him the whole game and put him up against a myriad of our offensive players. And what did they do? They smoked him every single time. It wasn't that hard to figure out. You just got to figure it out, right? Find the weakness. I mean, that's just a perfect example of, you know, what coaches need to look for is individual battles that they could win to ultimately get the W at the end of the 60 minutes. And looking back at like the Patriots game and you look at that and go, you mean to tell me you couldn't find a battle, you couldn't win there? I'll look at you. Josh Reynolds would have been the MVP of that game if someone was paying attention. Uh, we, we, yeah, I, I don't know about that. I just, I mean, we can go no long. We can get down the rabbit hole with that one. I don't know if that happens, if they were so focused on doing things in one way, that's my problem with what they did in that game. That's my problem with the way they use the offense in this game. And like, how do you, let me say it this way. If you put the 2018 Rams roster on paper and you 
Put it next to the 2018 Patriots roster. Which team's more talented? Seriously? Seriously. Which one's more talented? The Rams. Yeah, I, I think it's not really even close. No, it's not even close at all. Okay. And, and by the way, that's a credit to the Patriots, by the way. I mean, to come with the game plan that put the Rams back on their heel, I, I have to admit that's a credit to them. This is me saying there's more talent on their roster is me not trashing the Patriots. I'm saying, listen, that was a heck of a coaching job. And it's more than just the talent. It shows you. But how could you, in that game, not find a way to get the ball in the hands of people who need it and find those mismatches? Because the Patriots did have mismatches out there. They're, in order for you to, to you, you, you've been a coach, you know. In order for you to shut things down, you sacrifice something. You're sacrificing a matchup somewhere. So how is it that a, a Rams coaching staff that has been so good at this throughout the last two years, how did they not find those weaknesses? That's my question. Because they didn't try. They didn't change anything. As a matter of fact, when they came out at halftime, I had hope that they would change the game plan, that they had something in their back pocket. No, they didn't. The Patriots did. They had a play sheet with 15 plays on it that they saved for the end of the game. Bill Belichick went over to Josh and the guys and said, do you have those 15 plays? He said, yeah, here. He's like, let's go. Pull them out. And what did they do on that drive? They scored a touchdown. The only touchdown of the game. Yeah, again, honestly, though, it sounds like we were trash and the coaching staff were not. They're just not perfect. They had a bad day. They, had, they picked the worst day to have a bad day in the last two years. But I don't think that's indicative of what's going to happen. But no matter what, bring this back to the receivers, getting Josh Reynolds involved in the offense, I think you both can agree, is an absolute must. And Josh Reynolds coming to camp this year, ready to take up that role as being a go-to receiver is also a must. Am I wrong? No, it's a must regardless. And I don't – I try not to get – like we talked about yesterday, I played quarterback – for quite a few years, I never – and, and the, my receiving cores would get really frustrated with me because they're all a bunch of egomaniacs for the most part, man. They, they're open on every play, even when they're not, dude. It's ridiculous. So the way I handled myself on the field is the guys who got open got the ball thrown to them. It was that simple. I don't care if you were the fifth wide receiver on the team or you were my superstar. You're getting the ball if you're open. And and I would do things differently. I would change my reads um, in reverse. So whatever my reads were on a certain play, I would flip them, and I would completely do the opposite. My coaches would sometimes get upset with me, and I'm like, why would you ever get upset with somebody who's using their intelligence to benefit the team? Just because it wasn't your idea doesn't mean it's not good, right? That's the frustration players have with coaches too is, Players always or coaches always think they're right a lot of times, and they're not, especially guys who've never played before. Those are the guys I have a hard time, you know, getting in the pool with. It's like, man, you've never even been out here. How do you know? You know, how do you know what it's like? It'll be interesting to see. It's something we're going to be watching for from the moment the season's underway. It's, I'm watching. I want to see this very closely. How does this go down? How do the Rams react? Because you know right away the Saints, the Browns, the Panthers are going to be throwing all that same formula at them, and we're going to find out real quick if if McVay and the offense is ready. All right, folks, it is getting to be about that time for us to go. We do want to throw a shout out to our sponsor. Most of us are probably addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams, their history, all that jazz, 
And it comes with a bit of personal touch, by the way. Check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood Teen Great Glamour and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It tells the story of the 1950s Rams, who runs a Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. And those in- players include Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Hurst, Tom Frears, and Les Richter, all in the story spend the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteen.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteen. It's available both on hardback and electronic form on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and it's coming out in paperback this September 6th. Folks, this is a solid book. It really gets you deep into Rams history in the 50s, and it goes to a great cause in homeboy industries. What they do is they work on getting people out of the gang life and making them productive members of society and giving them a future overall. So it's worth it. Check it out. Hollywood Teen Grit Glamour and the 1950s Lost Angels Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. It really is. Okay, so we've had a couple questions about Blake Bortles and where he's going, and who better to bring on than a guy from the Jags as part of our tour in the league. So here we go. From Jags Wire, one of our favorites here. He's been on numerous times. Here's Jay Johnson. Check it out. All right, folks, I am here with James Johnson. From the Jags and podcast runs the Jaguars Wire, the Jags Wire for USA Today. Hey man, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. Yeah, man, it has been a while, but I'm I'm glad to be back, and I'm uh, glad to talk some Jags, man. Well, it's been a year, and you know, a year ago when we sat down and we did a tour on the league. We were looking at a Jacksonville Jaguars team that was expected to be a Super Bowl contender, and instead, what we got was. Well, uh, do I even yeah. want to say it, man? <laughs> I want to say it. It was the total opposite. So, yeah. Yeah. so how do you evaluate the 2018 Jacksonville Jaguars, and how did they go from being a Super Bowl contender to a train wreck so quickly? Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, one of the things that, that hurt them in terms of returning to their old form of AS, AFC runner-ups, if you will, uh, I think they lacked the maturity for one, to get back to that uh, that grand stage, if you will, uh, and, you know, back to the elites with Tom Brady and, and what have you. And and we've seen this in the past. The, the Jaguars do have a lot of personalities in their locker room. They have a lot of young personalities in their locker room. And there were some things, you know, they, they had some a few altercations here and there in the locker room. Uh, and, and furthermore, the other element that kind of, uh, hurt them last year was the injuries, of course. And when you put Blake Bortles, who is an inconsistent quarterback to begin with, and somebody who I was on record for saying, I don't know if I would have extended him, which, you know, come to find out that's a mistake now, or it was a mistake that they're still paying for. But when you put him behind a decimated offensive line, they began to lose starters all throughout the year, starting week two, when they played the Patriots, ironically who we were just talking about, they lost their left tackle, Cam Robinson, in that game. And then it just kind of just trickled down from there. They lost Robinson. Uh, they eventually lost their starting center, Brandon Linder, who you can say he plays at a Pro Bowl level when healthy. They lost Andrew Norwell, who we all know was one of their big additions in free agency last year. They lost him to IR as well. So that was three that went down to IR. Um, they also... Uh, lost Jeremy Parnell at, at the end of the year, the tail end of the year. He went on IR uh, as well. And A.J. Cannon was the only one of five starters who ended the season 
on the offensive line as a starter, as his comrades, his other four comrades, were on injured reserve. So, in a nutshell, it was those two things and mixed up with Blake Bortles' inconsistency. And uh, when, when you mix that all into one bag, you get the 2018 season, basically. So what happened to Blake Bortles? Why did he fa- why did he fail in Jacksonville? And who do you hold responsible for his failure? Well, I think Blake Bortles, it, part of it is him. He never really uh, developed in certain departments that he should have as a, you know, a five-year starter. Um, you know, the mechanics still were off. I always will say that. Uh, you know, you know, he just wasn't. He just didn't show the development that a five-year starter would uh, at, at that at that rate. I mean, like by comparison, you know, you look at somebody like Jared Goff, who you guys cover, and where he's at at what year four, year three. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still kind of, albeit you know, he's he's paired with a very good offensive coordinator and a great offensive mind in um, y'all's head coach. But that being said, you know, when you look at it by comparison, Blake Bortles just wasn't taking the necessary steps, or should I say he wasn't ta- making the uh, the strides in terms of his development throughout the years. And, and it showed. It showed in um, 2018. It showed up in a big way. And it hurt the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, and again, you know, I know a lot of people will say, you know, he, he couldn't stay upright, of course, with the offensive line decimated. So that didn't help. Uh, but that the, the offensive line injuries aside, uh, the development just wasn't there. Um, we, we saw that at times, even in 2017, which is the year that, you know, essentially got him paid. You saw the inconsistency at times. You know, he'll drop 44 against the Baltimore Ravens in London. And then, like, you know, come back home against the Tennessee Titans and can't put up a, a touchdown. So I, I think that really hurt him. And I, I just think it's a, really it's a mix of, you know, just the organization, um, his lack of development uh, that really hurt his career. And, and they've said that, you know, they, they've said that, you know, they threw him into the furnace a little too soon. Dave Caldwell, our general manager, uh, good friends with Les Need, has said that. And uh, that 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 is true too, you know. So you can hold the organization accountable from that standpoint. And uh, yeah, that that's pretty much the story of Blake Bortles. Well, he's a Ram now, so I'm kind of just curious as to what do you mean by he didn't develop enough? Are you talking about he didn't do the work, or he wasn't put in the right situation? Yeah, I, I don't. I want to say he didn't do the work. I just don't think, yeah, One part of it is he wasn't put into the right situation. And he just really, he, he put in the work. But a lot of the things, like in my opinion, that Blake Bortles struggled with as a rookie and, and, and coming into the NFL as a college prospect, a lot of those things weren't significantly better, in my in my personal opinion, by the time that, you know, his career ended with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like I say, the mechanics aren't that much significantly better. They are, you know, they are in a way but they aren't that much significantly better. Uh, you know, his ability to read the field didn't really get better. As we all saw, you know, he led the league in pick six throughout that five-year span, which, you know, that's just scary to say the least. And I, I think, like, a lot of what happened in 2017, it, it was a perfect storm for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, and when I say that, I mean, you know, you look at the division. You look, you know, he didn't have to go head-to-head with a Deshaun Watson. Really, I mean, he did for two quarters, but you know that that was the essentially Watson's first game starting as a as an NFL player. Uh, he didn't have to deal with Andrew Luck, who was injured that year. You know, so like I think really 
it was just a perfect storm that year that made him uh, look a little better than, you know, a lot of people want to say he was that season. But they, the fact of the matter was the inconsistency was still there. The, the mechanics weren't where you would want to be out of a five-year starter. And the, the development, you know, in terms of a passer wasn't where you would like to be out of a five-year starter. Why is Nick Foles a good fit for the Jaguars? You know, that's a good question. Um, Nick Foles is a guy that, you know, I wanted Nick Foles for the right price. But what we paid, I wasn't the biggest fan of, but you can understand it. And the reason why he is a good fit for the Jacksonville Jaguars is because of John DeFilippo, who was his quarterback's coach with the Philadelphia Eagles, very familiar with each other. So they have that bond. And essentially right now, Nick Foles is really, you know, he he knows the playbook left and right better than anybody in Jacksonville on the offensive side of the ball because, you know, essentially he, you know, him and Foles were together before they even came to Jacksonville and, John Filippo was named the Jaguars offensive coordinator this year. Uh, they fired Nate Hackett, as everybody is aware of. Um, they did that last year. He's now with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so from that perspective, uh, he, he's a and, – and another reason is because, you know, with Tom Coughlin, Tom Coughlin is a guy that, in my opinion, just looking at it, he would prefer a veteran than a rookie than, say, a Dwayne Haskins, who they did a lot of research on. Or, you know, say a Daniel Jones. So, you know, from the beginning, it did look like, you know, they wanted a veteran. Uh, maybe a Tyrod Taylor or somebody else, if not Foles. But uh, from that perspective, he's also a fit, too, because the Jaguars, at least under Tom Coughlin, don't strike me as a team that wants to throw a young quarterback out there in the furnace. So, rate the offseason in terms of free agency for the Jaguars. What were their best signings? What were their worst signings? In terms of free agency, I would say probably a B minus. Again, because I wasn't the biggest fan of what they paid Foles, but I understand it. I get it. And I understand that, you know, Foles uh, was going to cost a good penny, albeit, you know, some reports say the Jacksonville Jaguars were one of the only teams that were interested in him reportedly. Uh, he would tell you differently. So uh, it's, that's kind of conflicting information there. But wasn't the biggest fan of how much they gave him, but I understand that they do have a veteran presence there now. They do have a better leader because, as I talked about earlier, they need a better leadership in that locker room too. So it helps from that perspective. And they have somebody who knows the offense like the back of his hand because he's been there with John Filippo and Frank Wright and, and uh, Doug Peterson in the, in the Eagles system. And, uh, you know, that's basically where he spent multiple years, two years, uh, his second tenure with them. And uh, he spent time there as well, which wasn't with that regime, but he spent time there with um, his name, Chip Kelly. His name was escaping me, but he spent time with Chip Kelly there as well. So in terms of uh, in terms of the rest of the signings, uh, Geoff Swain, they got a tight end. Everybody know uh, that that covers the Jags, and even those who don't, that they really needed a tight end. They got him from the Dallas Cowboys. Again, you know, like there were better options out there that they could have got, but being that they paid old so much, you know, they they had to be selective of uh, the kind of contracts they handed out afterwards in free agency. So they picked him up. Not a guy that I would say, you know, is is starter material. I think, like, in totality, he has, like, over 300 yards in terms of his total receiving uh, on the career. So, you know, you would have, you know, hoped that they could get somebody a little bit better. But, again, you know, financially, they tied a lot into Nick Foles. 
And then they got uh, Chris Conley as well. That's the other notable name. At least they got many. Uh, they, they got several people, but the other notable name was Chris Conley from the Kansas City Chiefs, who I'm actually I'm very excited about. I think he really saved that free agency class wide receiver from the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he's a height, weight, speed specimen. I think he really got buried under the depth chart there with the Chiefs because they're so talented on offense and the, the wide receiver position. But with the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, he's a guy that can definitely fur- flourish. Uh, he brings somebody that can pop the top off of coverage, 4-3 speed, uh, holds the vertical record for the highest combine jump in the combine's history. So he's a guy that can go up and pluck the ball. And now, you know, he's really the veteran of his crew or, or his group now, uh, as to opposed to when he was with Kansas City. He's the oldest guy on the receiving core right now. And then I think Marquise Lee's there with him at uh, like 27 years of age. So he's a guy that I really think that's going to really help this equation. And and furthermore, I think he really saved the class because he has familiarity with Nick Foles, who he worked with in Kansas City. And those two build a big bond together during that time in Kansas City. So I think like that, that bond and not only that, but just the addition of Chris Conley is really what could save this free agency class when Jags fans look back at it. So then moving through the draft, how do you rate the Jaguars draft and did they fill the holes they needed to fill? Yeah, well, you know, the the interesting thing about the draft is uh I don't I wouldn't say they necessarily filled all the holes they did, but what they did is they took the best available player that basically fell to them in each round, which you can't really complain about. You know, they didn't necessarily need a Josh Allen, but at the same time, like you can never have too many pass rushers. But I mean, they have Yannick Ngakwe, who has basically 30 sacks in three years since coming into the league. They have Calais Campbell, but they took him in the first round. And you can't be mad about that because they just added to a strength of theirs. And, and you know, they, with the AFC South getting better in terms of the quarterback play, which we talked about now that the quarterbacks are healthy and we saw what they could do last year, you need to get them on the ground and certainly can't blame them for that. So necessarily, again, they didn't address a need there necessarily, but they at the same time they did address a need because you can always use extra pass rusher. They got Juwan Taylor. That did address a pressing need for them at the right tackle position, somebody they were, you know, often given in the first round in mock drafts who nobody thought would be available in the second round. They got him. He's going to be a mauler on that right side for them. And he's really going to help the run game, which is what they like to do. Although with John DeFilippo, we we definitely think they will pass the ball more. But still, when it comes to the ground and pound, uh, there was no better tackle in the draft than Jawan Taylor. So those two, him and Allen, were steals. And then they, they addressed another need in the third round with the addition of Josh Oliver, tight end from uh, San Jose State, who is a guy that, you know, John DeFilippo uh, really liked because he has ties to San Jose State. I uh, knew a lot about him. He's a guy that... The tight end position is very important to this scheme, as we've seen with the Philadelphia Eagles and we've seen with Frank Reich and the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, So that was a a need for them. And they got a guy that can go up and get it and pluck it out of the sky from that perspective. So when you look at those first three rounds, uh, you know, you you really couldn't be happier with it. And I really think they did come out of the whole draft in totality, uh, a better team and a better roster, despite not necessarily addressing all their needs. Now, there's a guy by the name of Dante Fowler who came over to us from you guys. 
And I'm really curious about your thoughts on him. And moreover, why did he become expendable in Jacksonville? Is there a reason why he didn't pan out there? Well, I think Fowler was a case of, well, first and foremost, as we we are seeing now, the Jaguars are kind of tight on cap space. They knew they were going to probably lose him uh, had they kept him after the 2017 season or the 2018 season, should I say. So, really, that was just a case of them or Dave Caldwell, you know, calling up a good friend of his, Les Snead, who we've already, you know, we already talked about that, and saying, hey, you know, I, I do want to get something for him because in the end of the day, he is going to walk away probably because we first and foremost don't have the cap space to keep him. Uh, we probably will have to or maybe have to spend a lot of money on a quarterback, which they had to with the um, Nick Foles situation. And, uh, you know, I I think he just really wanted to get something in return for him. But in in terms of on the field, you know, Fowler was a – if you look at the stats, he was a good rotational guy. Uh, But at the same time, I think, you know, where he was drafted, which was I think was number three overall pick, uh, he really didn't play to that potential. And, in fact, Yannick Ngakwe, who we already mentioned, a third-round pick who was drafted two years later, has outperformed him over the course of time and took Dante Fowler's spot. So that was another thing going into it is I think, you know, he really didn't pan out for where the dra- where the Jags drafted him to be. And that being said, you know, there were the off-the-field issues as well. You know, we, we've all heard about the incident in St. Petersburg, his hometown, with the uh, with the older guy who he got into an altercation with, and then you know there were other incidents, you know, like driving related incidents and and other incidents that have surfaced on social media to where it, it was to the point where the Jags were like, you know, it's probably time for him to you know get a uh, a, a new breath a breath of fresh air somewhere else, and and apparently that's what he's been doing. We've seen him making the plays in the playoffs and and. You know, even before that, and uh, that being said, you know, I think it's a deal that really worked out for both sides when you look at it. So now looking at the Jaguars themselves, where do they sit in the AFC South and how many wins do you see on their schedule? Right now, me personally, and I haven't really put up any predictions just yet on the Jazz wire, but right now, I see them at 588 right now. Um, but still, like, that can change. Um, I, it's, a, it's a matter of, you know, I have to see how they're gelling in terms of this new offense, this new West Coast scheme, which Nate Foles is, you know, pretty much going to be the guy of, you know, he's going to, know again, know this system like the back of his hand. But, you know, can the rest of the offense uh, get up to par with him? Is the question. So I want to see that before, you know, I further make a judgment on that. I think the defense will be fine again, you know, with the, especially with the addition of Allen. I don't really see them uh, regressing. Um, they, they were fifth overall last year, but before that, they were, you know, top one and top two in most major categories. And I'm talking about the, the 2017 season. So they could improve. I don't see them regressing. Uh, but again, it, it really just depends on the offense, and most importantly, Leonard Fournette has to stay healthy. Most importantly, uh, because we all seen not only him but the offensive line as well. But we've all seen what can happen with this team uh, when offense decimate the offensive side because that's obviously the weakest side of the ball. So, you know, I I, I want to see again what what happens in training camp, what happens in OTAs with that offense. And if they're clicking and gelling and, and, you know, Nick Foles is making the connection with the receivers, then I could see them getting upwards of, 
you know, nine to 10 to 11 wins in that case. James, let people know where they can find you, where they can check out your work and so on and so forth. Absolutely. So you all can, of course, uh, check out our site, the Jaguars Wire by USA Today, jaguarswire.usatoday.com. The Jags Den Podcast, which is the Jaguars Wire official uh, podcast. You can find that on the major interfaces on the web, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Just feel free to search us up on there. Or you can look on Twitter at the Jags Den Pod. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much uh, where you can find all our outlets of information. You can follow me at sportsgrind underscore Don on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm pretty active for the most part on there, so feel free to check me out there for the latest in Jags analysis. And lastly, and certainly not least, you can follow the Jaguars Wire on Twitter, and that is at the Jaguars Wire. Hey, quick question. Mm-hmm. How long has it been now? I mean, you, you, your podcast was the first podcast we ever appeared on. Long oh, it's been first. a minute, man. How long <laughs> yeah. has that been? I don't remember that. I don't even remember your podcast name. What it was? This was before. Oh, uh, it was called Gridiron Se- Season. Yeah, okay. it was on Blog Talk Radio. It was called Gridiron Season, and that was actually before I started covering the Jays. I was, I, well, I was covering, you know, just the NFL in general. At that point, as an amateur, uh, that on on a, on a WordPress blog site, and um, I, I looked on Blog Talk Radio because I was using it as well for my podcast uh, because we were doing uh, kind of what you guys are doing, you know, a, a look around the league. And I was looking mm-hmm. for a Rams podcast. Came across you guys' podcast, and I was like, you know what? Uh, I, I listened to it a few times. I was like, these guys are pretty good. Reached out. Uh, you and Norm reached back out to me, and the rest is history, man. So it's been roughly at least See, at no, least I, four I, to I five actually, years. I think you reached out to us before we started a podcast. I think it was our work because we didn't actually get a full podcast launched until 2016. You're right. You you all actually had the site at first. Yeah, yeah. And we were working yep. the site. We, we, yep. That site's been around a, a hot minute, man. We've been yeah, working yeah. that thing for years. <laughs> And yes. So that 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 is the that is our long-standing NFL relationship between two teams. Um, that's been us and you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Neat. Yep. I remember, like I said, I, I just searched uh, the Rams up on Google, as a matter of fact, and I was just looking for somebody doing a in, like independent work, much like myself. And I came across y'all said, and I was like, you know what? I need to reach out to these guys. And again, like I said, the rest is history. <laughs> It's really weird to, you know, back then I think I was, you know, I was, I, was, I think I might have been actually good looking back then. Now I'm just a fat, succulent piece of meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, I think I probably put on a few pounds myself after watching five years of the Jags since uh, then. <laughs> no kidding, right? <laughs> It'll do it to you, man. <laughs> well, all right, buddy. I hope we're talking again this time next year. And, and uh, you know, at some point we got to see the Rams and Jags play again. Absolutely. It could be for all we know. And we kind of said this last year, your team held up their end of the bargain. They went yeah, yours to the didn't, man. It did yeah, not. Mine didn't. So maybe, you know, we, we could see that. I mean, Nick Foles is a guy we've seen. If you get him into the playoffs, he could do some damage. And, you know, we maybe we, we could see a Jacksonville Jaguars versus Los Angeles Rams game, which would be just great, especially from Dante Fowler's side of things. So I, I, I think, it's a possibility. We'll see. <laughs> All right, man. You have a great one. You as well, man. All right, take care. All right. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts with in terms of Blake Bulls now being the backup quarterback of this team? 
I'm excited that he's our backup. I mean, he started his whole career so far in Jacksonville. So if we have a a guy who's been on the field as a starter and almost taking his team to the Super Bowl as our backup, what more can you ask for? I'm I'm interested in seeing how he progresses here. There was there was a reason why the Jaguars let him go. There's a reason why he's had so many question marks throughout his career, even college. There's question marks as to why or what or what the Jaguars saw in him to pick him so high. But we've seen, like you mentioned, he, he's had some big games. He's He took his team almost all the way to the Super Bowl. Now people will say that the defense carried that team. That's fine. But he still had his fair share of big games. I want to see what happens with him and Sean McVay. He, he may wind up only being here a year before he moves on to get another shot somewhere else. Do you think out of the 31 other teams in the NFL, there's a starting job that's open for competition right now? Not this year, but maybe next year. No, I'm saying even next year. I think there could be. I think it depends on some of the development we see behind the scenes with, with teams like Miami and going out there and getting Josh Rosen. Tampa Bay may have an opening if Jameis Winston's up-and-down career continues. I think it, it's something to talk about and think about. Also, what if Daniel Jones isn't ready out there in New York? Because Eli Manning's probably in his last year. Yeah. So there are a couple there are a couple possibilities. I'm not saying they will be open, but there are some potential openings out there for at least getting him a chance to revitalize his career as a starter, but who knows. Yeah, sometimes you need to hit the reset button and, and he could sit back and get in the film room with Jared and Sean and learn something, you know. I mean, I don't I can't go back and look at the history of offensive coordinators in Jacksonville, but I don't think there's been anything near a guy like Sean McVay as far as offensive minds go. So it might unlock something in him that maybe he didn't have yet. So we'll see. I think it's fair to say if you look at the offensive minds, Jacksonville to LA, there's, it's a complete upgrade for him. However, I've talked about this before. When it comes to a quarterback coming to the league as a rookie, yes, the coaching staff has the responsibility to properly develop you, but you also have the responsibility to embrace the role yourself and go out there and become well-versed in film, learn what defenses are going to throw at you, learn about your own weaknesses and changing those things. And it seems like he really, he really didn't do that, at least from all the research I've done on him. And if he changes that, then he's got the, the, He's got the strength, the physical strength, the arm strength, the size to go out there and land somewhere. So we'll see. I I hope nothing for the best for him. And but also, honestly, I hope we never see him on the field this year outside of preseason. I agree. I don't want to see him during the regular season because that means Jared's hurt. Exactly. No thanks. Exactly. I mean, if he is developing behind the scenes, working with the first team during practice, then that's fine with me. But I never want to see him on the field this year. Fair enough. All right. All right, folks, it is it is time for us to leave now. It's time for us to go on in our merry way. We are looking for sponsors. So if you're interested in doing a little bit of work with us and some advertising, reach out to us at ramstop1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you, and I promise you it's loath information to help you link up with us. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. And also don't forget Tommy's uh, he, they got a Twitter feed out there for Rams and Center. Don't forget that as well. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul and Tommy at Ram Tommy in LA. Don't forget it's in iTunes, Apple Music, that is, Citrus SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, all those places. We're there. IBRed.com. They play our shows on Sundays and Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So 
for Tommy and the entire Rams talk staff. This is Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy. Have a great one. And we'll see you Sunday night. We're out of here. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.